The Paul W. Smith Show at 6. The Pre-W. Smith Show now. 760 WJR. Here is Jeff Sloan. All right, well, one of the uh, really positive things that's happened, certainly I think it seems more and more in this post-pandemic era through the pandemic, but now really in the post-pandemic era, there's been a, a lot of opening up to and destigmatizing mental health issues, which is obviously a very, very good thing for our society here, and in particular for young people. Now, one of the interesting outcomes or, or uh, you know, the resulting from kind of the destigmatization of it and encouraging people, the openness, encouraging people to seek help is that they are, and that's a good thing, of course, but uh, with a limited population of uh, people who can attend to, to the issues, professionals who can attend to the issues, all of a sudden, the you know cost, the availability of the services are becoming more limited. It's the old supply and demand at, uh, dynamic at work again here. And let's check in with Annalise Frank. She's a reporter for Axios Detroit. We had a chance to check in with her on the issue, and she tells us about the impact of the increase in demand, in particular by young people now, for services relating to diagnosing and treating mental health issues. Annalise. Yeah, so we looked at this national report from the Employee Benefit Research Institute that found that younger people, young adults and youth, you know, people under 25, are sort of driving this, you know, it's not crazy, it's it's sort of slow increase in spending on mental health and addiction. And basically, they're outspending their percentage of the population, you know, so they're 36% of the population, but they're accounting for 42% of, of that sort of spending. And there's a couple of factors that drive that. So that's a national report. So we provided a little bit of local context for that as well. And driving the uptick in the need for the services is what do you think? Is this tied directly to the pandemic, you know, coming off the pandemic? What do you think or what have you learned is driving the increased spend among youth? Yeah, yeah. So there's definitely been an increase in people in general getting diagnosed with mental health issues and young people are no exception to that. So there is that general increase to account for. And, you know, I think part of that is stigma lowering. And I think we can say that especially among younger people, stigma is is less of a thing. You know, I think saying that you go to a therapist or that you have any other sort of care for mental health, well, I mean, there's still a lot of stigma. I'm not going to say it's erased, but it is less, especially among younger people, I think, as, you know, the tides sort of change. So that's part of it. Some of the, the local people I talked to, though, I mean, saw some other reasons for that. You know, a lot of these issues with anxiety and depression and things like that, some of these things get diagnosed in these younger age groups as well. So if people are seeking more care and getting more diagnoses, it, it kind of makes sense that it would happen around those ages. Yeah. And of course, on the one hand, this is a very, very positive thing. The fact that we're able to talk about the issue, the fact that, as you say, it's brought down the stigma to a degree, a meaningful degree, such that people are now more comfortable talking about it, more comfortable searching out and going to, and even talking about the fact that they do go to see a therapist, for example. Those are all very positive things. But it's also creating a real demand on the resources that are limited to a degree. And and so less availability, maybe higher prices in some cases, et cetera. What are some of the outcomes of this greater spend? Yes, costs increasing are, are definitely a factor. And also, you know, and the, the report was very clear, and, and we've heard this locally as well. These numbers are 
extremely affected by the pandemic. And, you know, there are two things there. One is that there was a huge increase in in demand for these services for all of the the reasons one would expect during the pandemic. I mean, huge amounts of grief and and loss and and anxiety and and just all sorts of problems, isolation, et cetera. Right. Yeah, and then and then also pair that with shortage of uh, psychotherapists and counselors and and everything like that. So the study is clear that these figures aren't fully reflecting everything because some people, you know, obviously there were a lot of problems accessing mental health care before the pandemic in terms of costs, technology, et cetera. But a lot of that is exacerbated during the pandemic, you know, especially if if people are seeking services virtually because of the pandemic and they don't have access to the technology needed to do that virtually, then maybe they're just not going to get any care. So a lot of these figures are kind of with a grain of salt because of those dynamics of people just not being able to access and, and you know, high demand, low supply sort of thing. Yeah. And as your article also points out, other further factors exacerbating the issue for youth in particular or driving the spend currently by youth, as you point out in your article, Michiganders ages 12 to 17 reported a major depressive episode at double the rate of adults. That's extreme, obviously, and that may be reflective of a variety of things, but certainly it's reflective of demand and need in that demographic, certainly underscores the need for this to be an area of focus and and an area of treatment for people who need it, our youth in particular. Now, the other thing driving it, and this is a hypothesis on my part, I'll jump in with it. Tell me what you think. Social media, on the one hand, has many positives. But it certainly has its negatives and its drawbacks. And for me, one of them is just this kind of ability to further tighten the screws on those that are struggling with life issues as it is. It can be an area for further bullying. It can be an area for even further isolation because you go on and you see the quote unquote popular kids all getting together and doing whatever they're doing, but I'm left out. And then it goes on and on from there. Did you feel that social media is a factor in the equation as well? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's it's really complicated. And yeah, I think, as I'm sure most of us have read, you know, there are impacts on mental health from being really deeply involved in, in social media in the way that you're talking about. I do also think and was told by a professional at Henry Ford Health that the connection to the phone, I mean, connection to apps can be really helpful in terms of therapy with youth because... They know how to use that device and, and interact with it. And I'm glad you pointed that out. That's a very important positive indeed. You know, obviously, that's different from scrolling on Instagram. That's more, you know, professionals using the, the phone to connect with youth. So there's kind of all these positives and negatives. You know, I know there's certainly a lot of discussion of, of mental health and self-improvement, self-awareness, mindfulness on these social media platforms as well. So it's, it's really a, just a mixed, a huge mixed bag, I think. It really is. And so the final conclusion, based on what you learned doing your research for the article, do you see the fact that youth is spending more to attend to their needs in this respect? Do you see it as a bottom line positive or do you see troubling signs that you wanted to point out as well? I mean, I think there's always the concern about access and affordability. But I mean, obviously, if more people are accessing it, that's a good thing. But I do think a positive of this could be that if employers are seeing that this is something that young people want and in a in benefits for their job, I mean, that's, you know, that drives employers being incentivized to provide more of those benefits. Obviously, that's a problem in terms of access. So 
if that's something that employers see they need to provide in order to attract talent, then that drives that cultural change. And, you know, I think we're far away from that being a, a norm and, and, you know, good enough, quote unquote, but it should be interesting to see how it evolves. Well, important subject matter, to say the least. And Annalise Frank, we really appreciate you being on with us, reporter for local Detroit Axios. Again, just an extremely important subject matter. You covered at Wellforce. Thanks for being on, Annalise. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, out to a quick break. Back with more in a minute right here on the Pre-W Smith Show.